Good morning and welcome again. Those of you who are here, those of us of you online, welcome. It's good to have you join us. And uh, I'd just like to put a little bit of emphasis on two of the announcements. Let's go from the last one first and then back. Israel, um, you know, we are not only a church, but we have very, very strong ties in Israel, deep ties, ties that have, go back to, as, as back to 1983, 84. Doesn't seem like it's that long to me, but once you start realizing that's 40 years ago, then you realize that the Lord was doing something. Um, I do know Benjamin Netanyahu. I've been in his office personally with him. I've prophesied over him. I prophesied the red line over him that he stood in front of the United Nations and drew 10 months before he did and told him he would. He doesn't rely on me for prophetic word, but when the Lord opens a door, there's a door. Some say we look a little bit alike. I'm taller, I think I'm better looking, I have a little more hair, but um, he and I laugh about it and took a picture nose to nose together. Here's the bottom line. He's prevailed for many years. That's not an accident, that's just not politics. It's because he's got chutzpah. It's because he's been able and willing to stand in front of multiple presidents of the United States and tell them no. Um, and to tell them you're not going to di dictate to us to give up our land because he believes that the land is there. It's Israel. That's what this is all about. It's about the land. It's about that this is the gift of God, not only to the Jewish people, but to the body of Christ. And there's only one place that Jesus is returning to first, and that's Mount Zion. And he'll be walking through that mountain. I don't understand it clearly, but I do know that when he does, his feet will cleave to that mountain and there will be a great earthquake. It will shake the world because the Lord is returning. We believe he's returning, but he's only returning to one special place called Jerusalem, which Father God calls the apple of his eye. And so we realize that this battle, both external and internal, is a spiritual battle. Now, in this country, you know, those of us who are somewhat politically inclined or at least don't have our heads in the sand, we understand there's a wokeness going on. We won't get into that too much other than to know, but the intent is what's happening is an erosion of the morality and principles and fundamentals of a Judeo-Christian society. And in an essence, that's the same thing happening there. Now, that's a Judeo society, but there are believers there, and the greatest ally and friend of Israel throughout the tumult since the, the, the uh, seven-day war has been the body of Christ, never so strong as now. And those who are in the Knesset and this prime minister, they will tell you that they can rely upon the body of Christ as friends no matter what, those who are what we say are Christian Zionists. Now that name Zionist has been, been tumulted around the world to become a bad name just like being a Christian or being somebody who's born again becomes a bad name to those who want to promote something otherwise. Zionist is not a bad name. It was founded politically, but by a guy named Herzl who just wasn't led of God in his own mind, but he was led of God to declare that there needed to be a land for the Jewish people to come back home to, and that was Israel. And that's our scripture. That's what the Bible says. He would call them forth from all the nations, the diaspora, and bring them back to their place. We're going to see in a moment how prophetic that is.
Now, what is the issue about in Israel right now? The issue is that prime, the prime minister in his Knesset, a very small majority, only 64, only 64 out of 120. Sounds like our Congress right now. But a very small majority said, if we get elected back in, we're going to change and, and alter the way the court system is. Because what's happened is they're conservative. Now, they're not conservative Christians, they're conservative Jews. And for the most part, that works to the benefit of Israel, not always to the Christians, because the very high Orthodox, the ultra-Orthodox in Hasidim, they're always trying to eliminate the Christians. So there's a little tid for pro there. But the liberals aren't trying to make a way for the Christians. They just want to liberalize everything in Israel, similar to what's happening in this country. So they pass conservative things in the Knesset. It would get to the courts. The courts would strike it down. They had ultimate authority. So in essence, what was happening was is that legislature, that parliament, was ineffective. And those things that are conservative for Israel, such as not giving up the land, such as not giving up half of Jerusalem, those are important things. Those are in the, body, in, in the Scripture. So what we see there is that there are people that are fighting back and saying, well, this is only Netanyahu wanting to protect himself so the court can't go after him. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Same old tactics, same old places everywhere. So the reason that there's this infrastructure, this fighting going on, it's a spiritual reason. And the reason we're on the side of changing what's going on in the courts is because we believe that this land needs to stay Israel's land. We are Christian Zionists. I'm a Christian Zionist. I've been a declaration writer on the Christian Zionist Congress, Congress four times and was the initial one and, and on from that that got published and went throughout all the land. And it became an edict that said, we will stand and not give up the land, and we will not give up Jerusalem. And so that's the reason why we ask you to pray, to pray so that you have understanding. It's nice to just pray for the peace of, of Jerusalem, but it's better to pray with the Spirit and with the understanding. Let's put that one aside, and now let's go to this issue that's here in Ohio for voting on the Constitution. Why are pastors, including this one in this church, encouraging you to vote yes? It's to vote yes because what it's doing is shifting the Ohio Constitution so that it requires 60 to change instead of a majority, a simple majority of 51. Why is that important? Because in the instance, first of all, in this country, it takes 60 in the Senate to overthrow something, right? So it's not like it's something new. 38 states already have 60. We're one of those that doesn't. Why is it? Because it doesn't want the status quo just randomly changed with an election. It wants the Constitution to be something that has teeth in it. That's from a political science view. But from our view also is the fact that those that are behind changing it are the ones that are pro-abortion. And they want to change it because they believe they'll have a better chance of getting a simple majority of 51 to vote down any legislation to preserve the unborn life. That's what's behind this. That's why they've had millions and millions of dollars thrown into the state of Ohio. Not because the liberals in Hollywood care about Ohio, because it's coming from the pit of hell 
to end up trying to undo what the Supreme Court was trying to do, and that's to put it back in the, in the call of the states and to allow those that are in election that have been elected to make those decisions. So we encourage you to vote yes. Now, typically on this kind of an election, people don't go out. There's nothing else you're voting on except that. So you can still get there. You, you know, it's not too late. I encourage you to either vote now or go there and vote then, but vote. Your vote might be the difference. And we've prayed and prayed and we've, we, we've, we've cried before the Lord. We've been at this, the, the steps of the Supreme Court and held prayer vigils. We've done all those things. Wouldn't it be a shame if we just couldn't get out of bed or make time on election day to go vote to maintain that? So yes, am I sort of being a little tough on you? I am. You need to go vote. And you need to vote yes. And if you say, I'm not registered yet, you could still do that. Shame on you. You need to get registered anyway. You need to have a voice in what's going on here. Don't be lazy. Be active in what you do. Amen? And don't tell me you're too busy. We're all busy. <laughs> all right? We're all busy. We're busy about the things of the Lord. You will be able to make time if you want to make time. And you could also go to the Board of Elections and vote now. You can go right down there and get an absentee ballot and vote right now. Right there. So do it, and I am encouraging you to do it, and I pray that pulpits all over the state of Ohio are encouraging people to do it because we need to be proactive Christians in our faith. Amen? It's, it's good to pray, but it's good to pray and do. When you have the chance to do with your prayer, we better do, or then why are we praying? I'm going to pray that you go and I don't, right? Let's go. Amen? And, 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 and fill those ballot boxes. Okay, um, I started off two weeks ago, there was a prophetic word. I encouraged you and, and asked uh, Dwayne and Patty to announce it. And by the way, Patty did an excellent presentation last week. And uh, we were with you. Laura Lee and I were in our hotel room. We, we were there throughout the entire worship time, worshiping with you and listening and praying with it. Uh, we were in Plymouth, Massachusetts for uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network and it just was unavoidable. So it was on Sunday, and then we were back on Monday. But God knew he was in control. It, it hurts to not be here for us on Sundays, but we're also listening and trying to be obedient to the call of God and realize that there's a great vast body, and we have some very anointed people here uh, that God is not only raising up, but step right in and do a great job. But we re I released that word from the Lord. Now, Again, it's available, and I know that CDs are sort of old school, and uh, I know Rob has already chastised me a little bit, and Rob, I agree with you. And secondly, Dwayne said, well, you could, people just go online. I said, yeah, but not everybody goes online. You know, a lot of people just want to listen to something while they're traveling in a car, or they're working, or, or they're doing something. So if you will, and if you want, you know, they're available for you. Why? Why is it important? It's important because that wasn't just a message. I, I give messages, and I, I like some better than others myself, and the Lord speaks and moves, but that was, that was a powerful word of the Lord. I'm not ashamed, and I'm not lacking confidence to stand before you and tell you that when the Lord uses me prophetically, He has been spot on. I haven't hit any foul balls in 40 years. That's a track record. And some of it's shaking me in my shoes, right? 
calling presidential elections, calling three Supreme Court justices on the eve of the election, calling a space force on the eve of the election in 2016. Nobody had heard such a thing. I could go on and on, moving the Capitol in, in Israel. I was the first one to look at Donald Trump when he was running in office, and he didn't even understand that at the time. So I could go on and on. The red line with Benjamin Netanyahu, not little things, not little vending machine prophetic things. Thus says the Lord, he loves you. You don't need to hear that from a prophet. If you don't know that, that means you're not in your Bible and you're not spending any time with God. And so I'm telling you that that word shook me in my shoes. And I want to wake you up to it. I don't want you to get idle in it. I don't want you to just put it aside as another word as you're running to and fro trying to get prophetic words all over the earth. You'll get them. You'll get them. Some can be genuine and most are not. Most are regurgitated stuff that just sounds good in the body of Christ right now. That was fresh from the Lord and it burned and seared inside of me. And I'm not going to let go of it and I'm praying you don't. And I'm praying for the Lord now to allow that to multiply to those who will hear. But if you listen to it very cautiously, not everyone will. Not every ear will be open. Some will continue about the business of what they're about. And I want you to understand something. One of the most distasteful odors and tastes, one of the most sickening things going on before the Lord as he sits on his throne and watches and listens and hears is the business of the ministry. It reeks before his nostrils. And it's never been, never been more effective, more working, more distorted than it is now because of social media and because of wealth and because of the lure of fame and money. How many people think they have the message for the world? It's the same old regurgitated message. And it's good, it's glad, the world needs it. But it's not prophetic. And the business of the ministry has come so much that it, it, it requires to feed itself. And that's what happens in very large ministries that begin to say, oh, we're all over the world now. They have to feed themselves costs a lot of money. None of it's free unless the Lord sends the message. And so they feed themselves. And they come up with promotions and things and trends and feeding themselves. And people join on and they chase them and they follow them. And it's a lot of good stuff and it's a lot of wasted time. But the one thing it is, so you understand, grinding behind that is the business of the ministry. And that's going to be tested really, really hard. And it's beginning to be tested really, really hard. Some says great men, but it means a species man, men and women of understanding shall fall that they might be purged white in this season of, upon us and that we're walking into that the Lord says there's a fresh baptism falling upon those who will. It's a baptism of fire. The spirit of Elijah is what it is. How many of you know there's the baptism of the immersion of the water? That's not going away. Go ye therefore through all the nations, baptizing them in my name. 
That's a seal. That's a commitment to Jesus Christ. And then we know about the baptism in the fire. Some do, some don't. Some believe it was for a time and others believe it's for now. Some are baptized in the fire and don't even know it because they're expecting different manifestations of the baptism of the fire. And, and you know what that is? That's religion having its influence upon people because if you don't manifest like I manifest in the fire, then something must be wrong with me or you. The truth of the matter is we're individuals in the fire of God. We manifest different ways. Somebody may never be slain in the spirit, but they could be moving in the tremendous power of God. Somebody may not speak in tongues, but they'll be speaking with God all the time. Somebody may not have visions and dreams, but they'll know the Lord in power. So that spirit of fire that he's talking about, that baptism, it's a, it's a new baptism upon the earth. Do you think I would say, dare to say something like that frivolously? I, I, I didn't want to give it. I was beating around it up there while the word was pouring out of me because I said, who am I, Lord? And then, as happens, the back of my neck gets hot. And the Lord reminds me I'm just nothing more than a vehicle. And that if I'm not willing to say what he gives me to say, then I've failed him. I've had this conversation with a few of you that being used in a prophetic way for shifts and transformations and speaking out things that are outrageous. Some would think it's a wonderful thing. I have to tell you something, that's a fearful thing if you're really standing and walking before God. So I encourage you as this little church, this place in Bethlehem <laughs> in the kingdom, this little voice out in the wilderness crying, prepare the way. I encourage you to listen to it once, twice, three times. I encourage you to pray. Don't just take my witness. Ask the Lord to witness to you. How many you have? I'm not, don't put your hand up. I don't want to know. I'm not trying to criticize you. How many of you have? You see, every word that I hear come out of the voices of prophets around the earth and you know there's a linkage and there's people that all run in the circles i pray what's real and what's not real because i don't want to miss what's a real word but i don't want to take what's not a real word and follow it unfortunately in the body of christ too many just jump because of who it's coming from and the fact that many others are jumping the blind lead the blind many more times than those in the light lead the blind. So, tough word. Get it. Making it very available for you. It's online. Listen to it. It's about 26. I listened to it yesterday, and I was surprised how long it was. It didn't feel that long to me when it was coming out. But it was a long word because it kept building and building and building. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weave that into what we're talking about today. And I'm hoping that my prayer is that as the Lord brings this out to us with the knowledge and an understanding that, that we can not only get it in our mind, but get it in our hearts. And when we do, then we will find out that we'll be able to get in rank 
I did a teaching here some years back called the call to Ziklag. And the call to Ziklag was when David made a decision that he was going to hide in the wilderness of Israel. And we've been there where it was in En Gedi. That he was going to hide there from Saul who wanted to kill him because there was a transition happening. How many of you know whenever there's a major transition of God, a spirit is leashed to try and kill those, to destroy that word, to resist it, that's a transition. The enemy of your soul may not exactly understand the transition, although he knows the words very well. But he can see the movements in the spiritual world. And he can see the anointings flowing down. How many of you know that anointings on mantles glow with glory? The spiritual world sees that. They see when your glow is dim. They see when your glow has cracks in it. And they see when it's strong and bright. And so the enemy will always try to destroy what is called of God. Kill all the children two years and under. Destroy them because one of them might be the Messiah. Hmm? Saul, I love David's music, but I'm going to kill him because the people like him more than me, and I sense that he's going to get this kingdom. So David's hiding in Ziklag, and it says that people, the call of the Lord came out, which is what's happening right now in the earth. And they began to assemble in Ziklag. Now I spoke about that in 1987 in Israel, in the Ben Neuma, in the uh, on the altar, in the ICEJ. And I said, there's going to be a call to Ziklag in the last days. It's a spiritual Ziklag, and God's going to begin to bring people that He's calling, and they're going to come from all kinds of different places, and they're going to organize and order themselves in the place that God calls them to be. And it's going to be able to move the kingdom, to shift the kingdom from what is to what is coming. And that's what happened. It shifted from the kingdom of Saul to the Davidic kingdom. And then the Lord announced that this Davidic kingdom would be a kingdom without end, and from it would come the son of Jesse, even Jesus Christ. And people began to join, and, and it says they were very talented. And they came from all the tribes. And they had gifts and talents, and they began to keep rank so that they could accomplish what the Lord would have them to do. And if you could get that vision now, I, I can see it. It's beginning to trickle throughout the earth. And Gideons that have their heads in the ground that are tilling right now and, and squeezing the grapes in their little farm and places. And, and of course, that's a hyperbole. What I'm talking about is that people that don't think they're anything, that don't think they're big, that are unknown, that don't have a sphere of influence on Christian television or don't have a sphere of influence and have 80 books out there and haven't told you they've been to heaven 55 times and they're going again. Humble people, people that God has crafted and pulling up are going to begin to step in line with rank. And the captain of the hosts is going to be the one leading. And the voice that comes. When you listen to that tape, listen to one other thing. It shocked me because I didn't recall it until I heard it. He said, man's not going to be able to put a name on this movement because it's too holy. You see, we put names on the movements. We want the great awakening. Might be, might not. But this isn't going to be called that. 
It's not going to be called the charismatic movement, the Pentecostal movement, the Lutheran movement, the Presbyterian movement. It's not going to be called the Universal Catholic Church. It's not going to have any of those names. The apostolic movement, it's so holy that it has the name of the Lord upon it because the Lord is preparing to return. And he's blowing out his precious holy breath. And that baptism is a, not going to be seen in the wind. It's not going to be slaying people down that they could say that happened to me that moment. It's the Lord consuming and coming into those vessels and temples that are prepared for him, which are called righteousness. Righteousness. So let's just pick apart a few things. I have too much, so I can't give it all to you. I put something out to you, and I asked Dwayne to get it ready to, to show it. What does, this is a riddle, so we're going to see who can satisfy the riddle. What does chipping away ice, hanging wallpaper, digging ditches, and fine linen have to do with real-time prophetic insight? For an answer to this riddle, join Pastor Frank this Sunday. Message, we are crossing over the threshold and thus said the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Now, why did I write this? Because as I was seeking the Lord after I was laying on my back, listening to his prophetic word and praying over it, these are what came to me. This is what he said to me. He said, chipping away ice, hanging wallpaper, digging ditches, and fine linen. I said, what? I had the riddle first. So I had to seek it. I had to understand what was he trying to say? I'll try to blend it in very quickly for you in a moment. But first, before we do that, let's look at Luke chapter 21 and start in verse 24 for a moment. Let's listen to the timeless word of Jesus Christ. One of the elements that we must grasp, that we must begin to become proficient in is having a timeless mindset in time. Because if we're reacting to the things that are happening in the earth or are going to happen in the earth, we're going to lose our timeless faith. A timeless mindset says, I can understand the Word of God is always living. The living Word of God does not expire in time. Anything that expires in time has no value. It's gone. Tell me something that expired in time other than a jail sentence that has value. It doesn't. Time is your nemesis. Everything expires. It goes away. But when it's timeless, it has value forever. It's eternal. It cannot be expired. It's resistant to those influence of time that erode it. Did you get it? A little profound. You're all looking, I got that cocker spaniel look going a little bit. Timelessness is resistant to those influences in time that resist the things that are sustainable. And so we understand that when we listen to the words of Jesus, if we thought they were only to his disciples at that time, it's history book. But if we realize that it's real word, living word, speaking to us today, especially when it makes it very clear, 
in that day, in that season, and this is what will happen. Let's look at this a moment. It's starting in verse 24, please. 21-24. I want to I take my time, read this to you quick, and then we're going to shoot to 2 Kings. I'm going to wait for the word to come up on the board so that... Chapter 21, verse 24. There we go. Now, he's talking about all the things that are going to happen. His disciples said, Lord, he just got done telling them that the, the temple in Jerusalem was going to be destroyed because they were talking about how wonderful all the things inside of it were. And what Jesus was saying without saying it was, you're looking at, you're looking at what's built up as the business of ministry, and you think it looks wonderful, but it's all going to be destroyed. It's not timeless. It has no value. It's not important to God. You think it is, but it's not. All these little things that have been collected and built and that seem nice, all these 30, 40, 50, 60 million dollar churches, they're wonderful buildings, but that's all they are. Comfortable seats, that's all they are. The comforts and luxuries of religion, that's all they are. But he says, after all of that, they ask him, well, Lord, what, what's going to happen? Because now all of a sudden he's provoking them. He's telling them what you think is going to please God isn't pleasing at all to him. You don't have a clue. Every stone is going to be turned over and this is going to be destroyed. That's the same word that's coming out today to the Lord. Denominational influences are going to go by the wayside. You can't be united when you have segments. Try to go to some of the top denominations and tell them, thus saith the Lord. They'll say, do you tithe to us? Have you been commissioned to do that? Huh? You think I'm kidding you? That's truth. You see, where's that unity going to come from if there's still segments? But God's going to destroy that. Because he's going to say, all those stones are going to be turned over. And those who are walking in the real understanding of God, they'll get in perfect rank and order. And you don't have to go to and fro to the places to find it. Because when you go there, you're just going to regurgitate what's already there. And so he says, after all of that, he says, all of these people in Jerusalem, Israel, they're going to be led of the sword, be led away captive into all the nations. And that happened and happened and happened. And all of a sudden, there was a call that came out in the late 1800s, in the early beginning of that century, of the 20th century, and a man named Theodore Herzl, who, by the way, wasn't even a godly man. He was a Jew. He was a Jew. He was a bit of a philosopher. He all of a sudden said, we need to go back to Israel. The Jews need to go there because that's our culture. He didn't understand the, the scripture to it, but he said, we need to go there. And it began to cry out as Zionism. It wasn't a religious Zionism, it was a Zionist. Go back to Zion. Do you understand where that comes from? Where's Christ's feet going to land? Mount Zion. I'm a Zionist, but I'm a Christian Zionist. Because I know that's what he's calling for. So he says, they're going to be led all over the place, and we've called that the diaspora. And yes, the Jews were scattered everywhere. And then the devil raised up one of the most vicious, cruel maniacs to walk the earth who had the power to do it. His name was Adolf Hitler. And he came up with this zero solution, the permanent solution. Get rid of the Jews. 
Get rid of all the babies that are two years and under. One might be the Messiah. Get rid of all the Jews. He wasn't sure why, but maybe he was. He certainly was so possessed that he could have been the incarnate Antichrist himself. In fact, he declared he was when he was dying. He said, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, did you know that? He said, I'll be back. Woo! That was that spirit crying out inside of him. And they will fall by the edge of the sword. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles, which it was, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, there's still some trampling going on in Jerusalem. And that's why there are those forces that want to see Jerusalem divided in half so the Gentiles can keep trampling. Why do you think the devil, who knows his time is short, and he's read this book, but he's somehow trying to subvert it. And if he could only subvert the Word or subvert the Messiah, he can subvert it. So who does he attack? He attacks Israel and the body of Christ. Because we're the two forces here on the earth that are withstanding for the coming of the Lord. There's none other. Don't look at the United States government. <laughs> Don't be fools. Don't look at any government. It's the kingdom here on earth, and it's the land of Israel. God said he's jealous for his name, and he's put his name as the God of Israel. He never said, I'm the God of the United States. The United States says, you're our God, and now they're telling him he's not. No other nation did God say, I'm the God of Sweden, I'm the God of Italy, although he should have said he's the God of Italy. Then as an Italian Jew, I'd be complete, right? No, he never said that. But he said, I am the God of Israel. And that's his name. And so it says he'll be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And in 1948, when that little army, if you ever saw or read about what they didn't have and had in, in the homemade tanks, they, they fought their way up to Jerusalem and they got there and they blew the, blew the shofar. They had arrived back in Jerusalem. And then they had to fight for it. And then fight for it. 67, 71. And hundred millions of population of Arabs surrounding them tried to, 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 to quench them and couldn't do it because of the God of Israel fighting miracles. Let me say something to you. You don't want to go against Israel or the God of Israel. You don't want to do that because you're going to lose. And he says they're going to try, but when they do, there'll be so many dead in the fields of Megiddo, and I've stood there and I've watched them, we call it Armageddon, that there'll be seven months burying the dead of those that came against Israel. That's a big army. Seven months burying them. That's a lot of body bags. I don't know where they're going to put them all. Going to have to bury them with bulldozers in Megiddo. You see, the Jews are very concerned about flesh and blood and bodies. Whenever there's a bomb, that goes off, the first people that come in are the rabbis and those who have been sanctified to pick up all the body parts before they do anything else because they don't want to foul it. It's part of the law. Maybe that's why it's going to take seven months. As far as I'm concerned, if they're enemies of Israel, just pile them in a big thing and dose it with gasoline and burn it. Oh, come on, Frank. Huh. Huh. How many of you know God's a God of judgment? Now, I know this isn't popular, but I don't care. 
How many of you know that God says, I'm the God who creates good and evil? Is that the Word of God? Oh, but God's only good. He can't do it. Well, you're going to tell God? You really want to believe in a sovereign devil? Huh? He didn't use the word, I let it happen, or I used the devil to make it do. I said, I'm the God who creates good and evil. You see, I happen to know for sure, and I've seen it happen, that when there's been resistance, there's been some things happen where the Lord has unleashed His fury in nature in other ways to show that He's not happy about things. So, part of us understanding who He is and preparing the way is to understand that not everybody's going to get a lollipop. It's not going to all be grace and hunky-dory when God returns. There's going to be judgment. And we also understand that judgment must begin in the... Judgment must begin in the house of God. Are we in the house of God? I don't want that judgment. Because there's another Scripture that sort of keeps me in line. It's like a bridle in my prophetic mouth. To whom much is given, much is required. I realize, I accept that I am held to the highest standard the Lord can hold somebody to for truth. I accept that. And I do so with the fear of the Lord. Do you? Do you accept that? To whom much given, much is required. You're getting a lot. You're getting a lot. Spiritual gorditos. Fat in Spanish. Right? You're getting a lot. We're all getting a lot. So we can't be ignorant. We can't say, Lord, I didn't know. No. Lord, I, I, I won't receive. You might tell them that, and that's, that's your own choice, but God help you. But don't tell them you don't know. If you don't know, you need to know. And those of watching online, I'm going to encourage you again. Don't just judge what I say without asking him. Ask him. Let him be the judge. And then if what he says is true, what do you do with it? So, there was that diaspora, and we go back to the Scripture starting in 24, until the Gentiles of the Gentiles are full. And then he says, and by the way, this is in Romans 11.25 also. Why don't we go to that a moment? I'm sorry, Keith. I told you, get, get your fingers ready today, son. When he was getting his coffee out there, I said, I'm glad you're there. I like it when he or Ralph are there because they get to those scriptures, you know. Romans eleven twenty five. Be not ignorant of this mystery, lest you are wise in your own opinions, or conceit is a better, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and then so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. The ultimate return of the Lord to Jerusalem is to turn away ungodliness to Jacob. All of Jerusalem isn't going to be saved waiting on the Messiah. But there's going to be a whole bunch who are going to say, oh, that's him. How are they going to deny him coming on a white horse? How are they going to deny him cleaving to the Mount Zion and there's an earthquake and he comes down through the western gate? How's he, how are they going to deny him that, that the dead sitting and buried on all those hills come out of the graves? That's what's going to happen. That's what the scripture says. I believe it. 
It's so supernatural and phenomenal, it's got to be God. And he gave us a little taste of it when Christ was raised from the dead. There were dead people that rose up in Jerusalem. They were seen. They came out of the graves with him because of the power of the resurrection. This time, he's not coming with just resurrection power. He's coming with redemption power. He's coming to claim the kingdom here on earth for him and his father. This is a power never seen before in all of creation, the universe, let alone the earth. That's how powerful he is. There's not going to be a war. <laughs> a lot of people think, bunch of saints coming with their swords ready to do battle with I don't know whom. Oh, no, 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 no. There's going to be a word spoken by Christ. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. They're not going to be able to raise up a fist to him. They're only going to be able to bow down to him. They're only going to be able to begin to, to pray and cry out for mercy. And those who know him rejoicing as the glory fills and titillates the very soul and spirit. That's what's coming. But don't be ignorant, unless you're wise in your own conceits. And blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Part of what he just spoke to us about this new breath, I finally got it. You see, the fullness of the Gentiles, I always thought it was about a united body of Christ, but it seems impossible. <laughs> Doesn't it? Doesn't it seem impossible? It does, it seems impossible. Let's be honest with each other. I mean, come on, you got so many different variations of faith and belief and people pointing fingers at each other and competing for people. <laughs> How many of you know a lot of the business of the ministry is competing for people to send their tithe, to buy their books, to watch their channels so their ratings go? How many of you know that? It's marketing. Do you know that? I mean, it's not just getting somebody saved. It's what happens after that. And so now we see the fullness of the Gentiles. The Lord sort of gave us a glimpse two weeks ago. The fullness of the Gentiles is a new fresh baptism coming upon the earth. And that is to speak to those who will know him, those who are called. Some don't even know they're called yet. And something new happening in the earth. John the Baptist was just a glimpse of it. He was out in the wilderness. He didn't have social media. He didn't have the Holy Spirit moving across the earth. And still they came. And they came. And they repented. And then they waited. They were repenting for what? To prepare the way. And took a while. So the Lord's preparing the way now. That's the fullness coming in. To the Gentiles. It's a new thing. It's not quantity, it's not numbers, it's not denominations. It's not how many souls get notched in a belt at a revival. <laughs> oh, I've seen too much of that. I've sat in too many places where people, 100,000 people raised their hands. Really? Then what happened? I don't know. Tell me their names. I don't know who they were. What are they doing today? I don't know. The business of the ministry is about ready to fall off a cliff. And so, let's go back to Luke 25. And there shall be signs in the sun, 24, 25. 
and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring. Beloved, is there any time that we have understood in all the earth where the nations are moving to and fro with perplexity? People don't know what to do. Leaders don't know what to do. Chaos, confusion, division. An axis of darkness against a supposed axis of light, but at the end of the day, they're both gray at least. Chaos, confusion, perplexity. We're in the midst of the whole earth getting ready to melt, but it's not gonna happen because it happened before, but it's gonna happen, so it's not gonna happen. And we need to do this. We need to spend this money on that. Just keep printing money. Somehow we'll figure it all out at some point. I could go on and on. I could go on and on. We can't understand the evil unleashed in our country, but it's very clear. Our country is rejecting God. And the shield of the safety over this country is being lifted. And there's cracks in the armor. We chase them out of our schools. Our children are getting murdered in our schools. We're chasing them now out of our military. Oh my God. A great militaristic nation is about to be tested. Wokeness isn't going to save the military. Ain't going to happen. Genderizing ain't going to save the military. Ain't going to happen. You see, what happens is that's a spirit. And that spirit is based upon rebellion. Rebellion first against God and then rebellion against the normals of what is humanity. And you can't have a spirit of rebellion that's being cultivated in the military and expect people to walk in rank and order. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Did you hear the news last week? Somebody, 50 times they've been arrested for theft. Car theft, stealing, pawn shops. 50 times released in California because it wasn't a violent crime. Really? Violent comes from a word that its root is violated. Somebody was violated. Hmm? And we just see this is running rampant. Good's being called evil. Evil's being called good. Do we have to do more to convince ourselves that the fig tree is blooming? And perplexity is across the world? And it was very interesting because a woman who claimed herself to be a liberal and everything else, she was screaming out in a public meeting, what are we going to have to do to stop this? I got carjacked. <laughs> she got carjacked. My question to her was, how did you vote last time when they were trying to get rid of your governor? How did you vote last time when they were trying to get rid of your prosecutor or your attorney general? How did you vote? Did you vote abortion instead? You see, it's perplexing, it's confusion, but it's not confusion because we understand what it is. So let's look real quick, because we got pizza coming. Men's heart failing them for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the power of heaven shall be shaken. What is the power of heaven shaken? It's not God shaking, it's the spiritual atmosphere. It's a spiritual atmosphere where everything that is spiritual is getting shook.
This real world is what we can't see. It's, it's all around you. There's a spiritual environment that you're part of. And it's more real than this tangible part right here that's flesh. The spirit is real. And it's being shaken. It's being shaken all around the place. For the powers, the powers, the powers, not his power, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. God has shaken the powers. Who's doing it? The devil? The devil shaking himself? No, God's sovereign. He's doing it. He's doing it. Next verse. Then they will see the Son of Man <laughs> coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, that's a timeless word released in time to his disciples. Can you imagine? First of all, they didn't know too many nations. They only knew a few nations. They knew Egypt. They knew Greece. They knew there was Rome. They knew that, you know, they didn't even call it Italy. They had some nations. They had Syria. They had Lebanon. They had Israel. They didn't have a lot of nations. They knew something was in the Far East. They didn't even have a clue the Western world existed. So that message to them in a time capsule was like, what? Perplexity amongst the nations. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, Syria, Lebanon, Rome, I got it. No, they didn't get it. They just got a glimpse of their understanding at the moment he released it. And then he said other things to them. But he got to the final chapter, the final point. Again, a timeless message released in time. Jesus was releasing it and speaking it into the universe and to all being. Because he's the word of God. And he speaks into being all things. He was declaring it so that we might declare it, that we might receive it, that we might be able to open that time capsule at its right time when it's blossoming and say, oh, that's it. And it says, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Some have said the cloud is all the saints and that's what he's seeing. I don't know. All I know is the same way that he left is the same way he's coming back. And he left in a cloud with the glory of God. And he's coming back with the glory of the Father and his fullness of his glory. And all the saints with him. God bless. It's a good thing. So we're stuck in between that time. The fullness of the Gentiles is the preparation for the way of the Lord coming. It's a new breath, a new baptism. Fallen now upon the earth. Who will know? Who will receive? Who will say no? Hmm? You can say no. You're not going to run away from it. You know. You can rebel and rely on the mercy of God at the last moment of life and hope that saves you. You can play roulette with faith in the times. But for those of us who know and receive, it's a timeless mindset. A timeless mindset. And this is just a prelude to it. And let's go on, next verse. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. That doesn't mean to walk around like this all the time, waiting to see him come in a cloud. It means to get your head out of the sand. Get your head out of familiarity. Get your head out of a custom culture. Get your head out of religion. Get your head out of denominational influences. Get your head out of all those change and those spiritual talismans that we've bought into that keep us from understanding that we're in that time. And he's saying, be alert. Start looking. You know, 
How many of you have ever landed an airplane? You landed an airplane, right? Do you land into the wind or with the wind? You land into the wind, right? Where's the wind? You look at a sock that's blowing, right? You fly over to the airport if you don't happen to have a computer and you're not getting telling what. You fly over, you look at the sock, and you see which way it's going, and you try to land into that wind because it makes it the most comfortable, safe landing, and it helps to slow the airplane down. But when you're in the air, the one thing you want is a nice tailwind. You don't want a headwind. You get a nice tailwind 70, 80 miles an hour up there in the jet stream, you're going to get to where you're going and really fast compared to how it was, and you're going to burn less fuel. I like to land into the wind, take my time, be safe, use less runway. <laughs> how many of you know no runway behind you is a good runway in an airplane? Only good runways, that's in front of you. Going into the wind, you've got a lot more runway in front of you. When you're up in the air and you're sailing and you're cruising in the spirit, having a tailwind at your back gets you there faster and easier. You burn less resources. It's more economic. It's the same for us. Lift up your heads. Our redemption draws nigh. It's not just about personally being redeemed. It's about the redemption of the kingdom here on earth. It's about us understanding that we're here as emissaries and ambassadors, living at this time for an assignment of God to prepare the way for His coming. That's who we are. He says, look up. Start to discern the times. Next verse. Then He spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. Why did He choose the fig tree? Because that's what they understood. That's what they wanted to eat on their travel and their journeys without having food and just trusting God for wherever they want to go. It was the fruit. It was the fruit. Now, open your spiritual ears. Go back one verse, please. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. And look at all the trees. All the fruit. The fruit of what? The fruit of the Spirit. You can go watch an apple tree if you want. I don't, you know, waste your time. Look at the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Humility is beginning to flow. Love's beginning to flow. Truth's beginning to flow. Grace is beginning to flow. Look at the fruit and all the trees. Don't just look at the one tree. Don't just look at the one church. Don't just look at the one person. Don't just look at the one denomination. Don't just look at the one word. Don't just read the one book. Don't just, hey, look at it all. Do you see me? Do you see me moving? Do you see the fruit beginning to grow and gleam and getting heavy on the trees for what? The harvest. The harvest. Fruit that's not harvested rots and falls off and gets trapped upon. This kind of fruit isn't going to fall off and get rotten. This kind of fruit is going to grow and propagate. And that fruit's going to plant more seeds. And those seeds are going to grow and propagate. Next verse. When they are already budding, you know for yourselves that summer is now near. Do you see the budding? Do you smell it? Do you hear it? Or do you just see the same old, same old? Are you blinded by the darkness? Are fears gripping you? Or is faith molding you? Next. 
So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. He's talking about the return of the king. He's not talking about the king inside of you, the kingdom inside of you. That's different. He's talking about the literal kingdom of God is coming on earth. That's what he's telling us. And those who have ears, let them hear in this day. Next one. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Now, those disciples all died. They're up in another place. So that time capsule was released for us. They never saw the fig tree blossoming. What they saw was them curse a fig tree, and it died. What we see is a fruit blossoming. Not a fruit, he said, that will have a name by man, but a fruit by me. You see, I see fruit. I see fruit. And it's a funny thing. When I travel and go about places, I can smell and see the fruit of some, and I can smell and see no fruit in some. Oh, both can be talking about Jesus. I don't let that fool me anymore. I look for the fruit. I look for the fruit. I look for the fruit. Degrees mean nothing to me. You know, there's so many people walking around calling themselves doctor of this. I don't know where they all got their doctorates at. And we got a whole sect calling themselves rabbis that never went to rabbinical school. That's what I want. I want someone who says they're a brain surgeon and never went to, to surgical school to work on my brain. That's what I want. Why is it we are so enticed by titles? Doc, you earned yours. You earned yours. I'm not lamping at you. You worked. You, you sacrificed to go to medical school. You, you, you put the dues in. You put the time in. You deserve it. A lot of people walking around, doctor, you know, theology, they got a... They got some piece of paper that said, oh, we recognize you because you wrote a book and gave $100,000 to the school, Dr. Frank. Yeah? Prophet Frank, Apostle Frank. Apostle of what? A lot of apostles walking around it. Self-proclaimed. Hmm. Maybe they'll suffer the persecution of an apostle. Be careful what you ask for. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all things take place. Go. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Whoa! Timelessness. Timelessness. He's saying, get a timeless mentality. All this other stuff you're working on, it's going to all pass away. It has an expiration date, but my words, my words, they'll never pass. Timeless. And when we get into that timeless mentality, we can rest. We're not striving because time's no longer your nemesis. Time serves you. You don't serve time. Ah. Next. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Oh, my, with carousing. Now, some people, oh, that's some, some guy out philandering. No, no, carousing is just chilling. Chilling with what you're doing. Same old, same old. Worried more about the physical than about the spiritual. Just chilling. 
drunkenness. Well, you could be drunk many ways. Cares of this life. Oh, that's hard for us not to be concerned about cares of this life because taxes are due, insurance is required, you got to pay the heat bill. No, it's not telling you not to take care of those things. He's saying don't be weighed down by those things. There's a big difference you could allow it to weigh on you or not allow it to weigh on you. It's all about a timeless mentality. You know, when one door closes and you know the Lord in timeless manner, another's opening. He's just giving you another opportunity. He's not taking something away from you. And that day come upon you unexpectedly. What he's telling us is that day's going to come upon a lot of people. He, remember now, he's talking to believers, his disciples. This is in the gospel, in the red print. The world's not reading it. He's telling the church that day's going to come upon some of you unexpectedly. You're not going to be ready. You're not going to be prepared. You're going to be teaching the wrong gospel. Next. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Does that mean that somebody can tell you the year and the date and the time that he's coming? Huh? How about these, these, these handbooks we get through the book of Revelation to tell us exactly how everything's going to happen? Close them and throw them in the fire. Because then that means if you're the one or somebody else was the one who got it, then his word's not true. On all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. All those. All those. All those. Not me, Lord. Oh. Next. Watch therefore. Watch therefore. Watch therefore. Watch therefore. That watch doesn't mean to just look around. That watch is telling you to discern, to hear, to listen, to take everything in, to understand, to be walking so that you hear his voice, that you're seeking his voice, listening to the same that are like-minded so that we're getting the same message. We're reaffirming the same things of God. We're unifying in those things of God. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape these things. How many of you are actually praying, Lord, let me be worthy to escape these things? Be honest. Don't put your hand up. I know too many of my friends that they're still waiting to be raptured away. They're not praying at all to be counted worthy to get through these things. They're, they're saying, oh, Lord, not me. Frank, and I tell them, ah, you know, man, maybe you should just be watching. Oh, Frank, I'll, I'll be praying for you as I'm taken away. I said, okay, thank you. Hmm? that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand. Watch and be worthy to stand. That means some won't be able to stand. That means some will be groveling like snakes in the dirt, eating the sow of the pigs, crying out for mercy, prone out before God, hoping that that impresses them at the last moment. But some will stand before the king. Can you understand what it means to stand before Jesus Christ? Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. I don't know how I'm going to work that one out. I'm just going to see what happens when it happens. But I think it might be something like this. I hope it's something like this for you, me. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. 
my servant. I bless you. Stand up. Stand up before me. I count you as one, my brother, my sister. Stand up. So, I'm going to let it go because we have pizza. I'm not going to answer. Put the riddle back up, please. I'm not going to answer the riddle this week. I'm going to, I'm going to answer it next week if the Lord allows me. But maybe that's good because now you have a little time to work on the riddle. Right? I'm thinking a little bit like Daniel. You know, Daniel got the riddle. He figured the riddle out or else he lost his neck. I'm not going to tell you to lose your neck, but spend a little time. What does chipping away ice, hanging wallpaper, digging ditches, and fine linen have to do with real-time prophetic insight? Lord willing, we'll deal with that next week. And I think you're going to have fun with it. But more so than that, I think you're going to say, oh, is that why the Lord gave Frank that riddle? Oh, he doesn't speak to me in riddles. Never spoke to me in a riddle before, to be honest with you. So I can't say he doesn't speak. He never spoke to me before in a riddle. It sort of caught me off guard, but I guess that's God. Right? I mean, if he'd have just said this, 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 and this, I probably would have made it too easy. But he made me dig and to go after it and to ask the Holy Spirit to open him up. So in a way, the Holy Spirit and I were having fun with each other. And I enjoyed it. I liked the test. Chipping away ice, hanging wallpaper, digging ditches, and fine linen. Do you want a hint? I'll give you a hint. Revelation 19.3. I'm going to just leave it at that. Okay? Now we'll see who wants to dig into the riddle. Father, we thank you, Lord that you are God, and we thank you, Lord, that we're a peculiar people at a peculiar time. Father, impart to us confirmations of truth. Let each and every person here that hears this word seek you to affirm, to confirm, to understand, and to grow upon. Let us not be complacent, Lord, and, and let us be able to, 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 to be able to get past all the old stuff that has clinged on to us. All the old reasons that we want to reject the things of God and reject things that are truthful. All the reasons why we might be looking to say, me, 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 me. And, and allow you, Father, to test and check everything in our spirits. Everything who we think we are. To allow us to really know who we are with you. Not our own impression of ourselves. For Lord, they're either not enough or they're too much but usually nothing in between in balance. We usually think ourselves so inadequate or we think ourselves so there. Help us, Lord, to be those who can walk in a confidence with also that striving of inadequacy that your Apostle Paul walked in. Help us, Lord, to do that. Seeking perfection, knowing we'll never get there, but confident, Lord, that we will. Thank you, Father. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.